Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So today we're going to be talking about more community. All right. So in this series called The Table, the table for us is community. All right. It's the metaphor for community. It's the metaphor for relationship and relationship in a wide spectrum, like relationship with your family. All right. So be thinking about that relationship with your family so you can apply this message today directly to your marriage, to your children, to your extended family relationship with people in your world, like business world or or whatnot, relationship with this church family, one another, and with me. So there's a wide spectrum that you'll be able to apply this message today. We're going to go into Ephesians chapter 4 shortly, and in in Ephesians chapter 4, we're probably going to read the entire chapter. So I want you to bear with me and don't let your eyes glaze over. Because it's an amazing chapter, and there's so much rich stuff in there if we'll get it today. Holy Spirit, open our ears. Let us hear. Let us hear, Lord. If we're closed, somehow shout in our ear. I pray Holy Spirit screams in your ear today if you have closed ears. I pray he shouts in your ear, in your spirit today. So, as we uh, uh, dive into this series today on the table... um, I just wanted to talk to you. There's a lot of things that we have that really come out of the metaphor of the table. And at our table at home, there was acceptable table talk. I don't know about your house. But at my house, there were certain things we did not talk about at the kitchen table. Anybody witnessing with me out there? Like... You don't bring any potty mouth stuff to the table. You know how kids, they're always wanting to, you know, do bodily functions and talk about stuff that's inappropriate. Not, not at our table, at our house. There was an appropriate, we don't argue at the table. We don't fight at the table. Y'all are going to have to, I mean, I lived in the kind of family where uh, we would duke it out. Like, y'all just go out in the yard and y'all duke it out. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? That's the kind of family I live. But when we get to that table, that's going to be on pause. And at this table, we're going to act a certain way. And at this table, we're going to talk a certain way. And there were certain things that we did not talk about. And there were certain ways that we didn't talk about. That was as children. All right? But parents, listen to me closely. Please teach your children by example and not by words only. The scripture says that we are to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. I can't tell you how many times I was told, dry that up, stop talking like that at the table. But later in life, I learned how to gossip at our kitchen table. I did. I learned that at the table. So there was certain talk we weren't supposed to do, but that was acceptable. And I just remember, even as we came into 
the church as I got saved around 15 that I remember at the dinner table, you know, we'd have certain preachers over for dinner, except they weren't there. We'd have the preacher for dinner, but the preacher wasn't there. But man, we were having him. I'm going to have a leg today. What do you want? We're carving him up. You know, what do you want? I think I'll have his head. Give it to me on a silver platter. And, you know, we, we would discuss all, oh, oh, sister so-and-so, she just thinks she's something. She just thinks she's this and that. And like, but that's acceptable in a body. Like, how would you like it if your heart started rebelling against your body? Your brain started rebelling against your liver. Your liver started rebelling against whatever. Like, you wouldn't like that. It would be call, cause us to become ill, and it would be, begin to cause a breakdown. And this is what I want, to, want you to understand. In the community of faith, in the community of relationship, there are certain ways in the community we should talk. All right? Look at this. Nothing will tear apart community quicker than my tongue. Man, we shouldn't even have to have sermons like this. Shouldn't even have to do this. Nothing will tear apart a community. And notice that I highlighted unity. Because a community, you know, you can live in a community and not be a part of it. Or you can be a part of it by joining in. So nothing will tear apart community quicker than my tongue. You guys might remember this. She's the biggest liar in all of this creation. You know, I never figured she was toothpaste. Cause if she was, she wouldn't be wearing that one. So that sounds cute, right? But, but that's serious. You know, that happens in the body of Christ. And we may not see it as gossip or whatever, but anything that tears the community down, man, shouldn't be coming out of our mouth. Anything that tears a brother or sister down shouldn't be coming out of our mouth. Um, I want us to read Ephesians uh, chapter... Four, and uh, before uh, while you're turning there, I, I want to tell you just a, a little story. This is humorous, but it's real. It really happened. Um, when my parents uh, were, or my mom, just really poor, they grew up as sharecroppers in Mississippi, and so if they ever had meat, it's a huge deal. And they had a lot of kids, so they're all gathered around their little wooden plank table, and they had pork chops this particular night. 
And it's a huge deal to have meat because they were so poor. And as they're around the table, it was raining outside that night. And uh, the lights go out. And all of a sudden, there's this screaming. And so my uncle Sonny was screaming. And so the lights, they, they come back on. And there was one pork chop left on the plate. And in their growing up, and even in my house, you never asked for the last piece. You wait, waited for the parents to offer it to somebody, but you never took the last piece. All right, I guess that's a southern thing. And so the lights go out, and Uncle Sonny, he's going to be slick. He's going to grab for that pork chop. The thing is, all the other kids reached with their fork, and he reached with his hand. And so he, he had been stabbed, you know, in the middle of all of that. But there's something about, like, hands. Unfortunately, his was stabbed. But if you have ever noticed, like, in the South, at least, we, a lot of times, if we say a blessing or a prayer, uh, grace over the meal, a lot of times we'll hold hands. And that's just a coming into unity, a coming into community. And so as we read Ephesians chapter 4, this is a really good chapter. It's where uh, Jesus, uh, we're, we're told by Paul, where Jesus gives us the five ministry offices that help equip the church. All right, so verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He says he's begging you to lead a life. Like you lead it. You take responsibility for you. Like, say this with me. I'm responsible for me. You might not be responsible for anybody else, but you are responsible for you. You're responsible for your face expressions. You're responsible for uh, your attitude. You're responsible for your tongue. You're responsible for your body. You're responsible for you. You're responsible for you. And he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. We are supposed to make allowances for others because of our love for People, I cannot tell you how many times in the body of Christ that I hear people not giving an allowance for something that somebody else does that gets on your nerves. Like, you lead, listen to me, church, you lead a life that's worthy of your calling, all right? Give them grace. What did Holy Spirit say to us earlier? I expect grace. Give them grace in that area that that just peeves you. Give them grace in the area that gets on your last nerve, okay? Because in in the greater scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And he says, make allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make every effort, every effort, Well, I tried that one time. Wow, thank you for making every effort. Thank you for going out of your way to give grace that one time. 
He says, no, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What the Holy Spirit, guys, come on. You can't make this up. I guess I could have if I, I don't even know who gave that interpretation. It sounded like Delaney, is that right? I guess I could have snuck a, 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 a one in on Delaney and said, Delaney, it would be nice if you could manifest a plug for me. Pretend like you're going to, you know, give the interpretation. I'll get with somebody else and they'll give the interpretation. You give it. And I need you to mention at least two things. Uh, grace and peace. I guess we could have manifested that and made it, manufactured that rather. But we didn't. When stuff like that happens, perk up in the spirit realm and know that the Lord is speaking to us. And he's trying to get a message across in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Are you following me? The truth is established, the word says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I didn't lay on my couch last night after watching, uh, binge watching my Netflix series and go, what can I preach today? This has been brewing in the spirit realm for months. Holy Spirit is speaking to this church where we failed. I failed, you failed, we failed. The church at large has failed. Pastor Rive, who are you trying to send a message to? Everybody, including myself. Everybody, including myself. Nothing going to tear a community part apart quicker than the tongue. Let me jump back to this. Make every effort, verse 3, to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just if you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. All right, listen. He's given a special gift. That's what that word there in the Greek is charismata. That's a, the, the supernatural gifts that he gives to the church. Also, extra abilities. It might be music or singing or teaching or any of these number of things. Now, I want to skip this part about him descending into hell. And I want to jump over to verse 11. He says, but now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church at large. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Can I stop here for just a second? Man, if you don't understand apostolic ministry, really, I hate it when churches are like, well, we're an apostolic church. All churches are apostolic in creation. God created the church to be apostolic. But there are churches that do not walk in that calling. They have an idea that, well, that was all for the first church. Well, I did a series many t years ago, I believe, where there are foundational prophets. That's, that's Paul and all of them. All right, that's the original disciples. They're foundational. 
And then because they are apostles and apostolic, they create more apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we are not foundational apostles. We are now functioning apostles. We're continuing to carry out the mandate of Christ in the earth. All right? And so it says that he gave us these offices. Um, Their responsibility, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Listen to me. Nobody is going to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ until you are with him in glory. That was part of the first message, all right? So if he says this will continue until we are there, so what does that mean on this side of eternity? That they will what? They'll keep going. They'll be here till the end, all right? And this is what he says. He says their responsibility is to build up the body. While I was praying this week, Holy Spirit just dropped something in, in, in me, and it was this. If the body of Christ, wait, I texted it to myself because I'm like, I don't want to get it wrong. Let me look at it. Just bear with me. If the body of Christ stepped into its God-given calling to minister to one another, there wouldn't be such a high expectations on the leaders of the church to pastor its people. And they would be released into a greater anointing to equip the people. Do you understand what I just said? Holy Spirit just dropped this. If the body of Christ, that's you. Now, I'm a part of it, but I'm also a a leader. In the body of Christ, that's you. If you stepped in to your God-given calling to minister to one another, there wouldn't be such a high expectation on me, the leader's. All right? And they would be released, meaning the leaders would be released into a greater anointing to equip the people. Now, there are a lot of churches that that have this. I believe we have it to a degree. We're not walking in in like some full-blown mature way. Like, we're we're not. I'm going to be honest with us. But if you did... It released me to do so many more things. Like, here's the deal. I know there are people in the seats, probably in this house today, you want us to go to a place that, hey, it probably, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but it's going to take slower than than what we're going to, where we're going to go. Because maybe people here are not stepping into their God-given calling. Because, see, I'm having to do jobs that maybe you could do, but there's places I can't go because I can't do this. Does that make sense? Men? And I'm just, I'm just telling you, people that don't understand the apostolic, they don't get this. I tried to explain it to, to one time that if I called his name, there'd be a few of you from my, my church in the old days when we were together. And, and he said, if my pastor don't come visit me in the hospital. He ain't no pastor, and I don't want him. And I'm sitting there going, you old crusty, ignorant, immature believer. 
because the pastor's job is not, well, let me take that back. See, we call the leaders of church pastors, and not every leader of a church is, is like, he, yes, he has maybe that office that he, but it's not his gift. And so he's not good. Like, you're wanting somebody to come chitty-chatty with you at the hospital. Well, that would be me. If I'm coming to the hospital, I'm going to be with you for a while. But I'm telling you, I got other friends of mine, they're like, hey, it's in and out for me. Like, I'm going to be in, I'm going to breeze in, I'm going to say my hellos, and I'm going to pray over you. And if you're not out, I, I promise you, I'm not making this up. They're, they're like, if you're not out of there in 10 minutes, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, fail. I failed that. You know, I went to see Sheila's mom at the hospital. She don't even come to our church. She don't give anything to our church. She doesn't serve anywhere at our church. But I'm in community with her. I love her like my own mama. And so I go over there, and what do I do? I'm with her for three hours at the hospital. Now, don't expect me to come be at the three, three hours at the hospital with you. But, but that's what I felt like I needed to do that day. Yes. And, but, you know, I don't go see everybody. And if Betty and Paul come to the hospital to visit you, you better look at them like, just like it's who? Jesus. Because Jesus is better than me. Yes, you can look at them like it's me. You can look like them as it's Destiny Church. But look at it like it's Jesus just walked into the room to see you. Somebody's there to show you some love. But the preacher didn't come see me. Well, what was he doing? Like, I don't know what, what, what. But we need to get down to the understanding of we've got a calling as a church. We can play church. Are you following me? We can play church or we can dive into this thing and watch God do something amazing in this region. I don't, I don't want to leave this side of eternity and move over and go, well, as I look back on it, it was just sort of okay. I want to leave and go, look what God did. That's what I want. I want to look back and go, God, what? look what he did. I just wish somebody would go there with me. Yes. All right. So let me find where I'm at. Uh, verse 14. He says, all right, so he's just saying, I'm giving the gifts to the church. It, it'll continue until everybody raises up into their full and complete standard of Christ. All right, verse 14. Then will no longer be immature like children. Mm, 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 mm. When we are equipped, I don't mean you got head knowledge. I don't mean you know a lot of Bible stuff. Can you put it to use? I, I don't care that you know. Well, the word says be slow, quick, uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to become, uh, you know, you, you got it. You're slow to become angry. I don't care that you know that. Do you do it? Do I do it? Or do I blow up? I don't care that you can quote all of the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have joy? Or are you Debbie Downer? Like, 
Do you have love? Do you walk in peace? Do you, do you operate? That's, that's maturity. That's maturity. And he's saying, when we are equipped, then, verse 14, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind and new teaching. Jesus, like that right there. Every new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Friends, friends, friends. Can I tell you, I don't care if Alan Bailey, whom I've known since he was 17 or 18 years old, comes and tells me something. I will say to him, man, I don't know about that, so I'm going to have to check this out. All right, so I, so I have to have another side to this. But we will, that, that's what you need to do. It, even if I told you, even if I told you something, we all should have this, hey, dude, we have to operate in a place of justice. I can't formulate opinions. I can't tell you I always did that in the church. People would come to me and they would share something and I would be like, man, I would own their rage then I would be ready to go kick butt and take names only to find out what had been shared with me wasn't really the story. It might have been their perception. I ain't even saying they were trying to do it maliciously, but they did it ignorantly, and therefore it breaks down community. All right? And so he says when we're mature, we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more like Christ, who's the head of his body. He takes the whole body fit per- perfectly together. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Listen to me, my church family. There are those of us in this building, myself included. I want you to say, I'm, I, hear me, I'm not trying to reprimand anybody in this house. This is Holy Spirit speaking to all of us so that we can go about getting to the place where we can do a greater work. Listen, like when, when we look at this, I have a function in your life. Every contact has the potential to have positive impact. I could possibly make an impact that's positive, but I'm not in charge of what Lynn does with it. Like I... If Lynn comes to me and Lynn has something and, man, his, he's, he, he's got an attitude, he's messed up, and he's, you know, all of this. But I see something in Lynn, and I could speak the truth in love to Lynn. But I love it when he takes me out over to, what is it, Sonny's? Or... And, man, they got some awesome pork chops over there. I ain't even lying. I guess I got that from my Uncle Sonny. Um, but, I, but I like him, and I don't want to offend him. So I'm not going to speak the truth to him in love that it's like, Lynn, I love you, so I want you to hear me how I have the heart that I have. The situation you're in right now, sometimes when you say these things, it actually causes other people. Are you following me? Like I have an opportunity that I could speak love into him. 
But many times we won't do that in the body of Christ. And we will allow sin to infect the camp and break down community. All right? Um, so here we go. Uh, oh, there we are. We're finished. Yay. That's that, I'm, not, I'm not reading anymore. Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. No, I am. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm going on. So he says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Listen. Paul's saying, no longer live as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God uh, gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Listen. Paul is talking about Gentiles, people who are not of the faith. In the church, there are many of us that we don't want to believe it, but there are people who are Gentiles spiritually in the church. Come on now. They're spiritually Gentiles because they do not bear the heart of Christ. And what, it, what has happened is their minds are full of darkness and they wander off from the life God gives Because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. Listen to me, my friends. They have no sense of shame. They'll say anything about anybody, anywhere, anytime, on any method. Are you following me? They'll say anything. They don't care if it hurts your feelings. They don't care if it blah, blah, blah. Because they have wandered. All right? They live... uh, Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. All right, stop there for just a second. We think uh, they, they live for lustful pleasure. We think of that in sexual terms. Listen, no, 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 no. Lustful in the sense of they thirst to satisfy their passions. Dude, they are hot about this topic. They are hot and bothered and whatever. So what happens is that takes over, that lustful uh, 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 desire to fulfill that particular emotion takes over and they begin to do things and they have no shame. They have no regret. They have no remorse about it. All right? Let me see where I'm at. Um. 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, he says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. All right, so look. It doesn't matter how I was raised. It doesn't matter how many times we had the preacher over for dinner and he wasn't there. Like, it doesn't matter that that's the culture that I grew up in. I have to put that off. That's not godly. I have to change that because who has to lead my life? Paul says that I'm supposed to lead my life. So I have to put that off and I have to take on maturity. I have to take on Christ's nature. He says this, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin any longer, uh, by, and, and don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Mm-hmm. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say be good and let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Whether it's the person or the person that might just be overhearing it. All right? And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Man, there's a way to grieve Holy Spirit. Ask yourself this. Ask yourself this. Rife. Put your name in that place. Rife. How many times have you grieved Holy Spirit with your conversation? Rife. How many times have you grieved Holy Spirit with things that come out of our mouth. Think about it. May we repent. And put on the newness of his nature on us. Alright. I promise you I'm trying to bring it to a close here. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then he says get rid of all bitterness. Rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. All right? Wow. So that's a lot of scripture right there that I just read you. But, dude, you can take that home and you can dissect a lot of stuff out of it. What he's saying here is basically this is a recipe for living in unity. That's what this is. So I want to, real quick, four ways that I could tame my tongue. Because the tongue will rip a community apart. All right? Number one, submit your body, the tongue, to God. In, what is it, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because, he had, because of all he's done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Look at this. this Shay and I learned this uh, scripture in our chapels when we were in college. And we would say this at every chapel service. We would stand and everybody would go out and we would recite this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, submit our body. The tongue is part of the body. Submit our tongue to the Lord. God, tame my tongue. Because he's the only one that can. All right? Um, James says that no man can tame the tongue. You can't control your tongue. Like you can try and I encourage you to do that. But ultimately, it is God that has to step in. So you got to give your tongue to him. You have to give your language to the Lord. Well, I used to cuss like a sailor. Like, I'm telling you, man, my whole family cussed. My mama cussed like a sailor. The kids cussed. Everybody just cussed. 
And on my very first date with Shay, I'm trying to make an impression on her, and I cuss in front of her. Man, I felt so ashamed. And you can change your language. Like, that's a part of me that I changed. Every now and then the old devil will creep out. (laughs) But that's a part of my life that I changed. Search your heart daily, or as I like to say, Psalm 139 yourself. Psalm 139 says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. Like, God, you need to search me because I don't think I see everything. Listen to me now. We will be blind. We will be blind to our own faults. That's why it's good to Psalm 139 yourself, search your heart daily. And that's why it's good to be around people in community that you trust enough that, Lynn, I trust you. Like my wife said something to me recently in a conversation, and it has to do with the tongue, as a matter of fact. And she said, well, Rife, you do this. And I'm looking at her kind of like, I don't know if I agree with that. So what do I do? Because I'm a teacher, she's a teacher too, but because I'm a teacher, I'm like, what's the evidence that you have of that, you know? And she's like, well, I can't think anything off the top of my head, and I'm like, well, you said it, so you came to court unprepared. (laughs) But this was my response, then help me. You, sounds to me like you've been holding back. And letting me do something that was not really how I need to be the best version of me. So like when that happens, point it out. Don't just do it and and just let me go. Because if there's one thing that matters to me is my integrity. Like if, dude, if I can't be a person of integrity, I don't need to be standing up here. But man, I need people in my life. If you see me derailing, don't you let me be a train wreck. I I hope you love me enough to not let me crash. I hope you love me enough to, Ephesians chapter 4, me. Come speak some truth in love to me, all right? So search your heart. God, do you see anything? I'll ask people in my life that are close to me. I stopped asking Larry. He's like, Pastor, I think you're great. You're like tomato gravy, man. You're just awesome. And I'm like, come on. I know. Help me out here. I'm trying to be a better man here. Um, don't, 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 don't get people around you that are yes people. Don't, don't just get yes people around you. You need people around you that will just, they, they'll love you, but they'll straight up, you know, tell you, tell you straight. All right. Number three, speak life instead of death. This is what the word says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And most of the time we look at that and go, man, death is in the power of the tongue. Yes, but life is in the power of the tongue too. Life is in the power of the tongue. So instead of me speaking death and tearing things down, why don't I just use my tongue to build stuff up? Why don't I just use my tongue to lift up the body of Christ, to lift up people and all of the other stuff that's just death, let's just let that just die. Let's just let that lay because we don't even have to breathe life into death. Are you hearing me? We We don't have to breathe life into death. Like there are certain things that death just needs to stay dead. 
Nobody needs to know those things. Nobody needs to even focus on those things. Number four is this. Stop unprofitable conversations. Stop, just stop them. Stop them. Um, Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Sharp words cut like a sword, but words of wisdom heal. Words of wisdom heal. Just stop unprofitable conversations. Recently, I had someone to come, and they're like, you know, hey, we're here from X church. And I'm like, hmm, because X church pastor is a very good friend of mine. And so I'm just letting them, uh, you know, whatever, whatever they want to share with me. And then all of a sudden, uh, I, I felt like that was fixing to, go, fixing to go down a road where, you know, well, the pastor, he said, you know, and you get caught on that. And I just said, I just want you to know, Pastor so-and-so, he's a very good friend of mine. Dude, that was like a wet blanket on that conversation. That was like a wet blanket on that conversation. Because, look, I ain't into their church problems unless they ask me to be a part of them. Sometimes I go. Recently, I've been at other churches with other pastors helping them in situations where the tongue is trying to uh, uh, destroy their community. And I'm like, I'll come in and I'll help you in any way with wisdom, but I will shut down a conversation. Likewise, you should shut them down. I'll shut them down with you and you show them down with me. Amen? Is that our covenant together? Because, man, we just need to speak wellness and life. All right? So look at this. Here's what I just want to go over these one more time. Submit your body. That's your tongue. Search your heart. Speak life instead of death. And just stop unprofitable conversations. Listen, a lot of times when people come to me, I'll be asking myself these, why are you coming to me? Have you been to the other person yet? Lynn, why are you telling me this about Butch? Have you been to Butch? So I need to get that out of there. I, d- I don't need to get the juice about Butch out of him. You can come on, uh, Hunter. I don't need to get all the juicy sweet tea about Butch before I say, now why would you tell me that? I'm glad you did, but no. It's just like, why have you talked to Butch about this? And if he hasn't, then it's like, then why are you talking to me? Because the scripture is clear on how to resolve things, and this is not the way. All right. I ask myself, um, what about me says it's okay to have a conversation like that with me, Lynn? What about me says that I'm okay with this kind of conversation? Because then I would want to be looking at myself, and I have before. Like, am I gossipy? Is that old me creeping out that he somehow thinks that this is okay for us to have a conversation about this? All right? These are just kind of questions I'll ask myself. Does this have anything to do with me? Like, if it has nothing to do with me, then I have no part in this conversation. All right? Now, here's... Satan's plan for breaking down community. This is, a, this is a demonic, listen, this is not some cutesy little four points I'm giving you that, you know, you can post on social media. There is a demonic scheme to attack the body of Christ. You do not have to look for, uh, recently there was a big satanic, monument put up in one of the uh, state houses. I forget which state. 
did you follow it on me? Illinois. So, but, but I mean, a, a huge monument of Satanism in the state house. Next Sunday, you don't have to worry about coming into Destiny's Main Commons and there's going to be candles everywhere and a big old statue of Dagon in the uh, foyer and us sacrificing Spot or your favorite kitty cat. You don't have to worry about any of that. That's not going to happen here. That's not how the enemy is going to come into the church. He's not going to be that obnoxious. He's not going to be that in your face. He's going to come in in a Trojan horse. And guess who the horses are? Us. We're the Trojan horses. Here's his pattern for breaking down community. All right? Why is community so important? Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like the oil, Holy Spirit, the anointing of God that flows from Mount Hermon, that's heaven, to Mount Zion, that's the church. It pours over the prophet's head. The leadership is anointed. All right. It flows down onto the beard. That's the prophetic mouthpiece. It begins to flow down on the body. That's you and me. Do you understand? Like Psalm 133 is one of my favorite portions of scripture. Because unity brings the anointing of God on every part of our body. When we are not unified, and hear me, you've been around here long enough for me to teach you this. Unity doesn't mean that, or, or disunity doesn't just mean that we're arguing, we're fighting. No, it means we're not going the same direction. We're not going the same direction. Man, we're trying to do this, but you over here doing this. And it's like, I love you guys. Come on, let's go. And we're like, hey, buddy, we're not going that way. We're going this way. We're not, you understand? We're not fighting, but we're not going in the same direction. We don't have the same vision, the mission. We haven't gotten the same details and moving with it. It can mean both. It can mean fighting, and it can just mean confusion. We don't need either of those. This is Satan's pattern. Number one, our heart is the arsenal. So somewhere, our heart gets out of sync with Holy Spirit. We allow the enemy to infect our heart. There's all of this ammunition in our heart. Well, I don't like what he said there. And I remember when he did this. And I remember when she said. And I remember. And there's so much stuff in, that, in, in the heart now. That it's built up. So man, it is a munitions arsenal to be used. Look at this. Our tongue's the weapon. Eventually, I'm telling you, I know from a personal experience, that stuff's going to well up. And it, the heart does not find reconciliation with the spirit. That stuff is going to seep out. Out of the abundance, overflow, fill of the heart, what does the mouth do? The mouth speaks what's in the heart. The weapon, the tongue, fires what's in the heart. Here's the 
Third thing, offenses the wound. When those words come out, it offends people. Offense starts to be birthed. I can't even receive from you or him or her because I'm offended by something. And here's what the destruction is. Separation is the destruction. Division is the destruction. Listen, separation, that could be anywhere. It could be in your family. It could be in relationships. It can be in the church. It could be in any kind of community that you're a part of. When your heart is hurt, when your heart is wounded, it begins to build up at storage, a database of things that at the right moment, man, if you are not careful, that tongue is going to... You know, it's going to be like one of those, you know, whatever you see in the gangster movies. And, man, you just, there's carnage everywhere. I know I've done it. I've done it. It's not pretty to clean up. Offense is the wound and separation. So I just separate myself. But Holy Spirit says, no. I expect he, he said through the interpretation, I expect grace from you. I expect peace from you. How appropriate to this message this morning is that? I want you to say this with me. Nothing will tear apart community quicker than my tongue. So I need to dedicate my body to him. Even though nothing will tear community apart quicker than my tongue, Look at this one. Nothing will mend community more than love. Love covers a multitude of sin is what the scripture says. What is love? What is love? Love is patient. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. It's not boastful. It holds no record of wrong. Woo! No record of wrong? So I, I empty the arsenal? I disarm? I don't fire it off. No, I, I destroy the weapons. Love is patient, kind, gentle. It's, it's always there. It's always there. Holds no record of wrongs. Is not boastful or proud or puffed up. Love does not seek revenge. Wow. So, how do I apply it? Just two, two really quick ways. One, forgive people who've hurt you. Forgive them. Forgive the person who molested you. Forgive yourself for the abortion that you got that nobody knows about. Forgive people, husbands that have betrayed you, wives that have betrayed you. Forgive your children for not living out their faith values that you instilled in them. Forgive the business partner that did you wrong and ran off with all the money. Forgive the person who told you one thing in business and they did the opposite or didn't fully come through. Forgive those people. Hold them, hold them blameless and, and, and release them right now in the name of Jesus. I want us to activate this, okay? So stand to your feet. 
You got to forgive. I have to forgive. I have to forgive. I have forgiven so many people. I've forgiven people who have molested me. I have forgiven church people who've lied about me. I've forgiven family members for doing me wrong and taking money from me and didn't pay it back when they said they would. I've forgiven a whole host of people. And guess what? I also need forgiveness. (laughs) Because as Paul says, many of you were such. He says, I was that, but so were you. So was I. The very people that I need to forgive, I need forgiveness too. So right there where you are, I want you to get whoever it is. And you're like, Pastor Rife, I've forgiven everybody. Good for you. And everybody ain't you. So if there's somebody in this room that you can just say, Pastor Rife, I've been struggling with this. It's hard for me. I want you to give it all to him right now. I want you to just to give it to Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, I'm still here. I'm still here despite the words. I'm still here despite the verbal abuse that I went through, which was not just, you know, little little stuff. It was major verbal abuse, major sexual abuse. I've forgiven those people, and I'm in, as much as I can be, I'm in relationship with those that will let me be in relationship with them today. I've forgiven them. So right now, just forgive them. Say it out loud. I forgive them. I forgive them. You picture them in your mind. I forgive you. I forgive you for wronging me. I forgive you for lying about me. I forgive you for for doing things that hurt me. And I hold you, uh, and I don't hold you responsible. I've completely, I'm, I'm wiping your account balance clear. And right now, in Jesus' name, you're free. Not just you, but them, the person. Right now, you're free. Right now, you're free. They're free. You are freeing them. They have no obligation to you. They have no obligation to come apologize to you. Why? Because you're letting them be free. They have no, you know, whether they reconcile with you or not, you're free. You're free. You're free. Whether they ever pay you back, you're free. They're free. They're free. You've released it right now. You've released it right now. When the enemy comes and brings it to you again, when the enemy comes and brings that up to you again, you say, I've buried that. I've released them. They, they owe me nothing. They're not obligated to me. I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. All right, look at me. You know how you, you, know, how you know you're not healed yet? You keep talking about it. Listen to me, church. When you keep talking about it, you haven't healed yet. That's not, a, that's not a statement of condemnation. It's a statement of, wow, I'm still healing. I'm still healing. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't even mean that you're living in sin about it. It just means you're still healing. So that means there's all this that you have that I've given you good meat today that you can take and apply to that hurt in your life. It doesn't even mean that you haven't forgiven them. It just still hurts. So here's what I want you to do. Work towards that place where that's not part of your conversations. 
I don't mean just your public conversation with your husband, wife, or friends. I mean your private conversations in your head. Driving down the road, you're thinking about it. You're having a conversation. I don't know if y'all are like me, man, but I'll be having some conversation with myself and that person in my car. Well, I'll tell you what, you did this. and You know, maybe I'm just bizarre, but that, I'm serious. That's, and I'll have to stop myself and I'll have to be like, hey, I'm releasing that in Jesus' name. Here's the second thing. This week, write one to two love notes to people you, you're trying to impact. It doesn't have to be in our church. It could be the lady uh, that you work with. It could be uh, maybe they told you about their grandchild who's going through a rough time. What if you wrote their grandchild a love note? They don't even know you. Hey, your granny was telling me about, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. And they just get a note from a stranger. Think of what that would do for that person.